When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what's going on? Have you seen, I have not seen it. Have you seen the Mario movie? No, but the reviews are insane. Yeah, well, the main thing I want to talk about is, have you heard the song that Jack Black does? No. Okay, it's been stuck in my head. It's a, it's a, it's a love song from Bowser to Peach. It's so <laughs> good. It's so it's so bad, good. Like, I don't even think it's a bad bad musically until the end. He just goes like, Peach! but <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's been stuck in my head. There's a bunch of TikToks with it, and. Uh, that's how I accidentally, I didn't even want to know about it until I saw the movie, but I heard that and it's on Spotify. So I checked it out and I was like, oh man, this like weird movie song has been stuck in my head for about two days now. It's uh, it's great. And that's what's going on. No, I, I Twitter has just told me that I need to go see the movie and uh, my kindergarten niece, she says it's great. So <laughs> the only maybe- review I need. That's all I need. She loves movies. So, no, um, all good reviews. But, uh, yeah, getting those movies in before <coughs> season, preseason, oh, camp, all the fun stuff. This is a boring time of year. Um, not a whole lot going on because we are talking about pick 28 again. We're two weeks from tonight. Two weeks from tonight, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be a couple hours away from maybe sitting at 28, maybe trading back. At the moment, feels like they're going to sit right there. Best player available. A lot of top 30 visits for them. I've said it before on the pod. I said it on a Tuesday's pod, but it just feels like they're having more top 30 visits than normal for them. I have no clue why. It's all kinds of different positions. It's definitely not just one main tight end um, cornerback room. You look on the defensive line, just different players coming into Cincinnati. And I think that's the best thing for them. We talked about it on Tuesday's pod too, that they're just in a really good situation. Yeah. You know, question mark or right tackle. Will they go offensive line? Will they add another tight end to the room and early in the draft? We do not know where they're going to go. But as we're getting closer, did your mind change on who they should take 28? Not really. I mean, BPA all the way. That's what's the entire time. That's why I was a big one of BJ. He's pretty clearly not going to be there. But um, whoever it is, if it's Darnell Wright, awesome. If it's Michael Mayer, cool. If it's Dalton Kincaid, I hope he learns how to block. But that is some awesome stuff for the passing offense. Uh, I just think that the Florida def- the Florida defenders, when they played Utah, I think they didn't huddle. They went to the huddle and they played rock, paper, scissors to see who got to go against Dalton Kincaid next time <laughs> um, because they all gave him the business. But um, he's an awesome receiver. Darnell Washington, sure, awesome. Uh, I don't know. Like there should be somebody available that's that's worth getting excited about. I think Miles Murphy is that. 
even if he got his butt kicked a little bit by Michael Mayer in Notre Dame, I still think he's a good player. Uh, there are players I don't know if I'd be that excited about, but where we are right now, I think there will be somebody on the board that's worth being excited over. Yeah, I, for some reason, I, I've told you before, I keep jumping back and forth when it comes to the tight end position. I've said Michael Mayer, and at the same time, the Dalton Kincaid stuff is growing on me just a little bit. The blocking scares me. Injuries scare me. Well, the injury of the back injury. The I back injury with being a Bengals fan, analyst, whatever, having any relationship with the Bengals, tight end back injury doesn't seem great. I'm sure the Patriots probably feel the same way about like with Gronk. That's uh, basically he had lower body stuff too, but I think it was the back stuff that like killed his career. So tight ends and these back injuries, I'd prefer he gets that never. And at least when he's in his thirties or something, not coming into the league with a back injury, that just, that does scare me a bit, even if he has cleared. It's bringing back memories. I remember I was doing a Bengal show. It was called Beyond the Stripes a couple years ago with Paul Daner and a couple of people from the Inquirer. And it was a couple years into Tyler towards the end of his career in Cincinnati. And he was finally healthy. And I got a call from his agent. He was going to be the guest on the show. And he said, hey, Lindsay, I have to tell you something. It's not public news yet. It will be tomorrow. Tyler's injured again. And it's a back injury. And I was just like, oh, season's over. And I always think about that with Tyler Eifert because he's always that what could have been tied in for them if healthy, you know, what a playmaker he was going to be on this offense, but he couldn't stay healthy. And you could even put AJ Green in that category, but on the wide receiver position. And I've always just thought with the back injury, it just connects me to that memory of Tyler Eifert. And I'm like, I don't think I want them to go that route. Uh, but at the same time, Dalton Kincaid is still really high in the draft. A lot of people think he's going to be gone. It's 15-20, the first tight end off the board. We've talked about him plenty, but if you missed an episode when we talked about the tight end, position why are people so high on him if he can't even block all the receiving stuff he's um i don't know if there's really good comparison out there because you can't really block so you think big slot type but he's not he's a pretty smooth athlete i think right now he has to learn how to kind of tempo his stuff he kind of just runs everything full speed which is fine it's awesome to see somebody get in and out of their breaks that quick but it's kind of also just like you don't need to go full speed the whole time. It was actually funny. I listened to um, the New Heights podcast with Travis and Jason Kelsey, friends of our show, of course. Yeah. Uh, they interviewed uh, oh. Shannon Sharp, and Shannon Sharp basically said the same thing when he came in the league. He was like, I ran everything full go. And then John Elway had to tell him, like, hey, I know you're going to get there. Like, what you're doing right now is too slow for my three-step drop, too fast for my five-step drop. You have to just slow it down a little bit, be there when I need you there, not as fast as you can get there. And that kind of changed things for him. And I feel like that's kind of what Kincaid might have a little bit right now. Uh, but for, on the good side, incredible hands. His drop percentage, I believe, was like 1.2 on the season. 1.6%. Nobody else is even under three out of all the draftable tight ends. Um, his contested catch percentage was also 58.8. And both those things show up. He's got great body control. He's got an amazing hands. He can catch the ball over anybody. He never drops a pass. Very reliable. If you're talking about who has the biggest um, <clears throat> boom chance, because when you think of tight end, who are the guys that really make a difference? It's really just Kittle, Kelsey, Andrews Waller when they're healthy and full go maybe. But, you know, it, it's, it's those guys. And then it feels like there's a big drop off. Like even if your next guy is whoever, I, I don't know who you want to throw in there, but um, 
say it's even TJ Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson doesn't change the defense the same way those guys do. So it almost feels like two tiers before you get to the next guy. And if that's probably where Mayer will play in that Hawkinson level, Goddard level, um, and he's a good chance of being somewhere in that range. Now, Kincaid has a sneaky bust chance just because I think he could end up like a Gesicki, and Gesicki to me is kind of a bust where you can't block and you're not a good enough receiver that it makes any difference, and you're losing all your snaps to like Adam Shaheen and um, the other Dolphins tight ends. But the boom chance is also big. Like we think, I think of these guys with like boom, middle ground, which is usually the most, and then bust chance. And the Kincaid boom chance and the bust chance are both pretty big. <laughs> it's a fun pick. It's a fun pick. And I think that his ability to catch the ball and, you know, jump out of the gym, sky over people, be a red zone threat, be an intermediate and deep threat, as well as a shallow, reliable target, will probably be maximized with Joe Burrow. He has to work on some stuff himself. I think also release, which is something Mayer does really well. But what he can do that Mayer doesn't do is basically he's an elite athlete and Mayer just isn't right now. Uh, well, I don't think he ever will be. But uh, yeah, that, that I think is the quick one. You get an elite athlete who's an awesome hands guy, awesome contested catch, everything you could imagine in the passing game. That potential is there and he's already pretty darn good at it. It's the blocking that who, who knows if that gets better. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, Foster Moreau was actually on the Adam Schefter podcast, and uh, Jake, I, I didn't go back and listen to it, but Jake Lisko was tweeting out some of the quotes, and it really sounded like if the deal wasn't on the table uh, before he went to the Saints for his physical, that it was going to be really hard to pass up a deal with the Cincinnati Bengals to reunite with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. Um, and, and you think about what the tight end room, how different that would look. Um, but Fortunately, that worked out for Foster Morell. Just a very unfortunate situation, but finding mm -hmm. out everything behind the scenes and, and hopefully, you know, he'll bounce back in the NFL. But um, but at the same time, when you move over to other position groups, I I know we've talked about Emmanuel Forbes before, and if you look at that pick, we've talked history in the 20s for the Cincinnati Bengals team. I still feel like cornerback is an option, but if they don't get Emmanuel Forbes and he could be gone, it's like a it's a love-hate relationship with him on mock drafts because a lot of people are like, oh, he could go in early in the NFL draft or nobody's going to drop and be there at 60, which I don't believe that. But at the same time, if Emmanuel Forbes isn't there and they decide, hey, I want to go to cornerback, who would you feel comfortable with at cornerback at 28 as BPA. I actually feel more comfortable with like a Deontay Banks than I do Forbes. I think Forbes ball production, ball skills, crazy. You can't teach that. I think there is stuff he has to learn. And while he looked like a, he looked like a good athlete on film, he tested like an elite athlete, but he did that probably 20 pounds under what he's going to have to play at in the NFL. Are you still an elite athlete if you have to gain 20 pounds? Cause that's kind of the whole thing about all these guys dropping weight and running real great. Well, He's not dropping weight. He's trying to put on the weight now. And he's still that good. He's still that good of a mover. I think he has some technical issues. His base gets real narrow at times. I've talked a lot about why I'm not the biggest fan. I see a, a round two type guy, but I also think all the other metrics point to him being a round one guy. And I understand to take my evaluation as just part of this and not the entire thing. But I will say personally, uh, right now, I think Deontay Banks also does like an elite athlete. I don't, I think whatever. I don't know the issue with him, but um, I think he'll be gone. So if you want to play in the cornerback waters, I still give and 
this guy is all over the place because I've seen him round three. I've seen him round one. I put him as a very early second, and that's Cam Smith from South Carolina. I, I like him. Yeah, he's really physical. Uh, some people put him as a slot, and I didn't really get that because the only time he played in the slot was to stick with Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee's second, either best or second best player, but they're vertical threat. Uh, so the, I liked him a lot. I think um, – yeah, and they've had a visit. They've had a visit with him, and I think this would be the very divisive pick. Would be uh, Keely Ringo, because at times I do see the Drake Kirkpatrick in it, and at other times I see a guy. And I don't think Drake Kirkpatrick was bad. I think he was fine, but you know, I don't know if you want that in the first round. He's stiff, definitely stiff. There's no other way around it, and he doesn't really decelerate well. But he actually, I thought I would hate his film more than I did. Like I kind of liked it. And even that Ohio State game where he gives up a whole bunch of yards and touchdowns, I didn't hate it because it was a lot of he did a good job and then uh, C.J. Stroud would like roll out and the receiver would go – the play's basically over, but out of structure, the receiver would go running and he wouldn't he wouldn't do a good job uh, covering guys out of structure, but he did a pretty good job in structure. I don't know. I, and he did a good job on Quentin Johnston, I thought, who's going to be maybe a first-round receiver from TCU. So I would actually be okay with that as well. Any of those three, I, I have come to grips with it is not just my evaluation with Forbes. You know, everything else points to it being good. Now, if he doesn't pan out, I will be a little bit of I told you so. But uh, if he does pan out, I'm not going to – don't do it back to me because I'm clearly saying right now it's okay. <laughs> no, um, I'm just joking. But uh, Cam Smith, I think Cam Smith is the guy that uh, – he, he's got really good grip strength. I think that is something that's weird, but it's a little bit important. When he gets a hold of a guy – they don't get away. Like he, he just grabs on kind of like Jermaine Pratt has that sometimes where he just grabs a guy when he's going to tackle them. And it's just like, they're stuck. And I think that translates a little bit to when he's playing like press jam and he hits a guy and kind of grab onto him. It's just like, I can't get your hand off of me with these chops and rips. So they would go Cam Taylor Britt, Cam Smith, Cheeto. <laughs> just, yeah. I mean, if, if, if Cam Smith ended up taking Cheeto's spot the following year, if they don't extend Cam Cheeto, Cam, Cam Cam, Cam Cam doing the secondary. Uh, but we, I'm going to hit on this really quickly before we wrap up the segment and we get to the mailbag. Uh, the NFL Network reported today, and I know we were talking about uh, the defensive line on Tuesday's pod, but she said the Bengals had Clemson's Miles Murphy in for their top 30 visit this week. They could either go edge at 28, which we really went in depth on, and you have a great piece on all Bengals, but most likely it's going to come down to best player available for them. What do you think about Miles Murphy? I, I like Miles Murphy. Um, reminds me a little bit of Carl Lawson, longer arms than him, uh, but he likes to use that long arm rush that Carl always used. Um, I think he's a pretty good run defender. At times, I think he needs to, you know, combination blocks and stuff, but it, I'm not going to get too in-depth because <laughs> not a ton of time, but I like him. I think he didn't show a ton as a pass rusher, but at the same time, I don't think Clemson's defense or most of these college defenses really are asking these guys to just pin their ear back and go get the quarterback. I think there's the tools there to develop into a, a guy as a pass rusher. He's an okay run defender. It'd be a pretty solid pick. I'd get, I'd give it like a B I think. And I think the Bengals would be very interested because when I did my piece on all the edge guys, uh, he had one thing come up that wasn't 
above that uh, would be in the bottom quartile for all the Bengals edge picks. And he had, I think, six or seven things come up that he was above average in what they typically look for. So I think they would really like having him uh, more than uh, Lucas Van Ness. Those are the two guys that could fall. And I think if they were both there, they would go Miles Murphy over Van Ness. And personally, I probably would too. All righty. Well, we're two weeks away. We'll get to the mailbag questions next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Double header mailbag. Plenty of questions to get to, and I'm sure it'll be about the tight end position. Pick number 28, uh, where the Bengals are going to go two weeks from tonight. We're going to start with Blake Jude. He said, do we really believe five tight ends are going to be off the board before they pick at 60? What are the odds? Laporta, Musgrave, Darnell Washington are there. Washington, I don't see it. I think he's gone. He tested like an elite athlete. The surprising thing was that short shuttle because that doesn't show up on film, but he's still a growing somehow. <laughs> he is not fully developed, even though he's 6'7", 260 or 270, whatever he was. Uh you know, he, he's not fully developed somehow. So maybe that's to show at the next level, he's going to be more, even more of a smooth athlete than he was at uh, the college level. I think he'll be a better receiver at the NFL level than he was at the college level, just because he didn't get as many opportunities as he could have. I think he's gone. Luke Musgrave has the injury issue. He only played in two games last year and he was awesome in those two games. I think that's the one thing that's really driving him. He wasn't that good the year before. He dropped some passes. But in those two games, he played two games. I don't think he played a full two games. 160 yards. He was he was on pace for a heck of a season. Probably one of the best seasons out of all the guys. He probably would have pushed for around 1,000 yards. I don't even think he got to face any of the, like, better, you know, like the FCS schools that come there for whatever reason. <laughs> they always play in those games. But, um didn't get to beat up on any of those teams. He, I don't remember who he played, but I, I think they're both normal opponents. Not to disparage FCS schools. I went to one. Uh, but he, I think, could be there just because I think the injury stuff is real. And he tested really well, but he didn't test abnormally well. Uh, that was only Zach Kuntz, who's a day three guy. Uh I think he could be there. The more I've thought about it, that could make a lot of sense at 60 because – I also think he's a starting level tight end. Maybe not this year, but probably next year. And he's got a boom chance. There's a bust chance. He's got a boom chance. It's kind of Kincaid light. He can block a little bit better. He's not as good of a receiver right now. Um, similar level athlete, though. And I think he is. He has a pretty good chance of developing into a good receiver. Tucker Craft and uh, Sam Laporta are the other two, I think. Yep. Okay, uh, Laporta, I think, will be gone. He's not a good blocker. He's also Kincaid. He's the real Kincaid, like, because he can't block, and he's a good receiver. I think he's less refined as a receiver right now, though. I think he'll be gone. I'd give that one a, a good 20%, 15% chance of being there. And uh, Tucker Craft, I think, will be there. I don't know if the Bengals would go for it. I think he's kind of mayor light, where he kind of does everything at an okay level. Uh, there's room for growth. He could end up being better. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. He was also injured, though. He missed like six games last year for any plays for he played for South Dakota State, which 
Can you name their mascot? No. I think they're the Jackrabbits. <laughs> what a mascot. What a mascot. <laughs> or is that North Dakota State? <laughs> Wait, they might be a different one. I think North Someone's Dakota State. Someone's going to tell you. We should know Hold North on. Dakota I'm... State. Right? That's where no. uh, they right, uh, college rocks. Okay, I was right. So what's North Dakota State? I'll never forget it, but now we have to know North Dakota State's mascot. North, oh, the bison is North. South is Jackrabbits. This is why our producer is the best. Nick tells us the important stuff when it comes to the mascot information. Now we know. Bison. North Dakota State or the bison. I know that. I love it. I love it. We'll move on to draft value. I've uh, brought this up on the podcast before when it comes to tight end running back. I think it scares a lot of people when it comes to long-term value, what you're going to get. Diego says in order, what positions do you make priority in the first three rounds to get the best value? Example is going round one cornerback round two running back round three edge DT better than going round one tight end round two CB round three running back. Okay. Um, value. Your best value. I know, I've, seen a, I've seen a lot of people bring this up. I feel like it just depends on who's there. Because yeah. if I'm going to construct something, I'm guessing corner in round one will probably be the best value there. But it could also not. <laughs> I don't know. Like if um, Kalijah Kansi's there, is that the best value? Maybe. Is And maybe other teams don't feel that way or the NFL doesn't feel that way. Uh, round two. Does Dewan Jones fall? Like, I don't think it happens, but that would probably be the best value. So I'm, but for a general feel for what I think is going to happen in the draft, I think the best values will be round one corner. I love the round two edge guys. I think that might be the best value there. And then round three, I keep going back and forth. I mean, if Tajay Spears is there, that's a good value for a running back. But at the same time, uh, that could be an okay. That could be a good tight end spot if Tucker Craft could fall to round three. I mean, that's a slam dunk pick. But I th- round three is where I really don't have much of a feel for anything because I, I've just lost the. I think the running back's an okay value there. I just don't in my mind. If Tajay Spears isn't there, then you're probably. I think Bigsby, like Tank Bigsby, and. Um, Roshan Johnson and Kendra Miller, they're all kind of reaches at round three to me. I th- I see those guys as a round four, as round four types. Uh, but I don't know. Round one and two, I think it's corner than edge, especially when you consider the positional value. But round three, just no feel on. I, uh, it could go anyway. That's why I'm full BPA is that I, it doesn't even have to be, like all the edges I like could be gone at by 60. And then if that was your plan, which it's probably not because you're drafting a fourth edge for this year. It's mostly for the next couple of years and making yeah. a rotation. But yeah, that's uh, my feel on it at this moment. Yeah, I think the the most important thing for this front office right now, um, there was a piece out from the Athletic today, and 
the executives were talking in it and they were like, well, I think it would be best if the Cincinnati Bengals extended Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and they, they should let T Higgins walk. Um, that should be the one they let walk. And I'm sure NFL executives would love T Higgins to be available. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's smart and where the Bengals can cut back on our, you know, it, it would be the cornerback realm because you're, you'd be moving on from Cheeto. And look, I'd love for Cheeto to stay after, after this season, but you know, coming off the injury, they could be moving on from him. You think about what that contract would look like. You want to be on these rookie deals. You want to hit on your NFL draft picks, and then you go spend your money on your role on, on your your main guys, your offensive players, your main defensive guys you want to keep on the roster, but you need to get young in some positions. And I think that's where, you know, if they do go cornerback, it makes sense. It makes all the sense in the world at 28. They need help getting to the quarterback. And hey, I'm I'm game for them to do that while getting younger. Um, so those two rounds could be just defensive picks. Or they could surprise us all and and go wide receiver early, but I doubt that would happen. I'm gonna go to Joe Boo because he brings up wide receiver, and it does feel like an NFL draft for the Bengals where they go wide receiver, maybe third or fourth round. Oh, wide receiver might make a lot of sense now that you brought. I wasn't sure. thinking about that, but yeah, like Jonathan Mingo in round three, that's a good value. Sorry, they have that, to get him. He's your guy. I know, right? Uh, well, we'll see. He's starting to get some hype. <laughs> He's getting a lot of hype. I, I think I this week uh, probably five or six tweets about him, video breakdowns. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I didn't even hear I about him until Bengal Sand said it. <laughs> uh, we'll go to uh, Joe Boo. He says, favorite lead around slot receivers as eventual Boyd replacement. I think what you'd want is somebody that can play inside and out. Like I don't, I don't think you would draft a guy. You can. I don't think you'd want to draft a guy that's just going to be a slot, though, because it's been a little bit limiting. It's it's you want to get Jamar Chase those slot targets. They're valuable and you can maybe get away from a number one corner or from um, uh, quarter quarter half stuff where they're going to cloud his side of the field. But where do you go with Boyd after that? Because Boyd doesn't play outside. So I think you might want that. That's where my Mingo thing comes in, where he can play inside and out. I think I haven't watched like very many wide receivers. Uh, we are getting to crunch time. <laughs> We're exactly two weeks away from the first day. Uh, so, well, this podcast will come out. It'll be even less. So um, I think, is it Xavier Hutchinson? Iowa State, he's a big slot, and he can play a little bit outside. I think that's a guy you could look at. If like a Josh Downs, who's a short guy, I don't know if they'll be interested, but if one of those like round one projected guys – it seems like the NFL isn't as high on those guys as draft analysts might be. That could make sense because you can go with a slot, mainly slot only prefer. I don't know what to say, like slot preferred type, which I guess, which I guess fits Boyd because he can play some snaps outside. It's just, he's preferred to be inside. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a ton of deep sleepers. Uh, the only guys I've watched are uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton and Jonathan Mingo. I like Mingo a bit more, but that also makes sense because he's projected to go higher. And I wouldn't be surprised. I, I know I just mentioned the first two rounds going defense, and then that third pick is wide receiver, and everyone's like, oh, I thought they'd get a tight end by now, and maybe they get a um, a fourth or fifth round tight end in their, in their uh, tight end room because they just don't utilize the tight end position as much as, as other teams. And with the wide receiver position, say you do get somebody who is a Tyler Boyd replacement, 
the advantage of having him be here during while Tyler Boyd is here, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins being in that same wide receiver room. And he's getting some reps, but nothing too crazy for a rookie. I think that would be huge for their wide receiver room because you do have to start thinking about that if, if they do move on um, after the season from Tyler Boyd. We will go to Eric. He says, with pick 28, if you had the option to take a draft faller or trade back for, say, an extra third or fourth round pick, which would you prefer? So would you rather have someone? Uh, yeah. How far back How far back do you th would this hypothetical trade be? It, you, you, we, make, we make the rules from here on out. So how, how far do you want to go? Sure. We'll say, like, pick 40. From okay. 32 to 40 or from 28 to 40 or something like that. Um, man, I think getting some extra swings would be good because you're outside the top 25. If there's a true, for me, it would be like, I wouldn't trade down if Bijan can see, uh, maybe definitely those two. I wouldn't trade down if those two were on the board. Um, but maybe they're not even interested in Kansi because he's small. So basically, Bijan then. Uh, or like a Joey Porter Jr. or somebody like that falls. I would trade down for a majority of other situations, though, just because I think even at pick 40, you're still going to be able to find somebody you're really going to like. And I think you'll be able to find somebody that's good value. So I would probably trade back in that scenario. It would just be... If you think a guy's going to be a blue chipper, don't trade down. If you think a guy's a top 25 talent, don't trade down. If you don't have any top 25 talents left, trade down because you're probably playing in a big bucket again. You just think of the buckets like elite guys, and you're talking round one, round two types. And, oh, darn all right, probably a guy I'm not going to trade down and get away from. But, uh, yeah, those are, you know, just if you have a guy you're in love with, don't trade down just for the extra value. But if you don't love anybody, you have – well, I mean, the easy thing to say is if you have 12 guys with a similar grade to that guy, then you're going to get one of them. We're going to go to one more before we uh, wrap up into our third segment. And this is a very long Twitter handle. It says, Woo, Will Lou, 514-64805, wanted to say it. How are the Bengals going to improve their return game? Sure, Trent Taylor had a decent punt return average, but there's no real fear of him taking one to the house. Man. I mean, you could do it in the draft. I don't know if they will. They are interested in some positions that traditionally you can get a good returner out of. I haven't looked at any of these guys as return people. I'm not going to watch them as return people. I'm just going to Google the stats. Uh, but if you could get a guy, I know Bijan, I think, did kick returns for a little bit. He's like, so can Bijan just fall to 28? <laughs> Probably not going to use him in kick and punt return, though. <laughs> no, 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 no. That would be a terrible idea. <laughs> they, they uh, Darren Simmons would be fired if that happened. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, well, I mean, the Chiefs used to do that. Like, well, Tyreek Hill started as like a kick punt return guy and super electric, but then he became like a full on receiver. But I think they still threw him back there sometimes, just like uh, put the fear into that punter <laughs> type of situation. That was so I, I don't know if you draft a freak athlete who's done it before, that's how I think how you do it in the draft. Otherwise you're probably looking at Trent Taylor. Uh, if I'm just going to be realistic about it, Travion Williams, I thought showed a little bit and they re-signed him. So if he does kick returns again, that'd be cool. Yes. Um, punt returns though is the one that I'm like, it's probably Trent Taylor, but 
Could be surprised. Could even be a UDFA type because nobody, well, not nobody, but good return, like an elite return guy probably gets drafted, but like good return guys, I don't think they get drafted just for their return skills. Kind of like long snappers, kickers, punters, special teamers. They don't get drafted if they're, you know, good. They get drafted if they're elite, but not if they're good. And who knows, whatever. Throw a seventh round pick at a guy if he's an elite punt returner. Well, he's been gone for, I want to say, a season, maybe. Yeah, just one season. Darius Phillips isn't coming back, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, never, man, that 49ers forget. game. Uh, he went on IR after that. I don't know if there was an injury. <laughs> no, we never saw him again. Oh, uh, yeah, that was unfortunate. That was that. I say it all the time. That was my favorite Joe Burrow game. One of my favorite Joe Burrow games, even though it was a loss, just because he was lights out in the fourth quarter. Um, so Whole second half. I think it was his best game that year, at least best half that year yeah they should have played the Niners in the Super Bowl but I'm not going back I'm not going back we're only going <laughs> forward uh, we'll move on to more mailbag next on it's always game day in Cincinnati this is it's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Thank you so much again for sending your mailbag questions. Again, during the offseason on Thursdays, we're going to do a little double header mailbag. Make sure you're following along. Bengals underscore Sands at LNDS Patterson. Let's get to our next one. Blue Resident says, what position being drafted would make the biggest potential impact on the season? Feels like running back, tight end, edge, D-line. But which one makes the biggest difference on this team in 2023? Yeah, probably running back or tight end. You think those are the two spots that are going to be able to take the most snaps. Right tackle, that could. That could make a big impact. Those three. I think those three spots because everything else, you're probably looking at bench players for this year. Even even if it is like a Kalaja Kanti or a Miles Murphy, and it's a round one type, they're probably rotational guys this year. And maybe heavy rotation guys, but they're probably rotation guys. So, yeah, I think running back, tight end, right tackle. Those are the three that could be the biggest impact. Uh, this season even right tackle they have to beat out a few guys like collins and jonah and i guess ford and carmen but uh yeah i, I think that those would be the biggest impacts for this year but i don't think they'll also go to the draft in mind with just yeah you know, this year in mind i think people need to they, they look at past history for positional value and they get nervous and they're like, no, the Bengals can't do that. That's a bad idea. If you look in the past 12 years at pick 28 and who was picked, the history isn't that great. Uh, so I feel like, you know what, you get what, who you feel like is the best player there at that moment in time. If it is a need, uh, someone who can impact right away in 2023, you've mentioned the position groups. I think you got to go for it. If your running back falls to 28, you get the running back at 28. If the tight end is there, you get your tight end, uh, vice versa, even on the defensive side. Bengals OB, I can't even believe I'm going to read your tweet, but I'm going to read it because the response will be really quick. If the Lions offered pick number six, number 18, number 55, would you trade Jamar Chase? No. Never. Never. What are you going to get with that? Never. Never. Jamar Chase, you could – I'm going to say this, and it sounds like a very Homer hot, hot take, but I'm going to say it. Jamar Chase might be the best receiver in the NFL next year. Sure. I used Mike because I was kind of like, ooh, don't want to go too hot because the Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup people will be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's don't certainly possible, though. I mean, 
using might there, like, yeah, so sure. He's definitely in the group of guys that could be the best receiver in the league next year. He missed four games and still the way he was able to return. I mean, his biggest game coming out for the Kansas city chiefs game in December and just, I, I, I'm I'm bummed he didn't get his full season. And then they, of course, they had one less regular season game. But I think I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the season if Jamar Chase is the number one wide receiver in the NFL. Um, it's just weird because one thing that I've noticed, you see Twitter likes reaction from professional accounts where they'll put like the top five wide receivers in the NFL. And sometimes they leave Jamar Chase out, which I think is crazy. But then you hear Joe Burrow has all the weapons in the world and he has T Higgins. He has Jamar Chase. I'm like, well, why is he getting left off these uh, top five wide receivers in the NFL? I always find those lists uh, pretty comical, but, uh, but yeah, I think so. I think, I think Jamar's going to go off this season. Typical Bengal says is double dipping at running back a good option. We talked yeah, about sure. That. Yeah, yeah. Especially if it's uh, two rotational guys or late round guy that maybe do a little punt return uh, and can also give you a little value there. I think it's early, late thing, or it's two middle round guys. So I, I could see it happening. I'm, I'm not going to say it's likely, but I think it's definitely possible and yeah. it would make sense. Yep. Easy says, who is a player that is a Bengals fit that we aren't talking about enough? Uh oh man. Not talking about enough. The two guys that I came up with when I did my edge thing was Yaya Diaby and Isaiah McGuire. And really Isaiah McGuire, I haven't watched him, but he just passes like everything that they look for. He he's does he's not he wouldn't be an outlier in any way. Um I think they'd be really I think they'll be interested in him. And uh Diaby's got a little bit more, but it feels like Diaby, and I, I was a victim of this. He gets selected sometimes in his mock drafts just because his name's Yaya Diaby. <laughs> like that's, a, that's a good name. Isaiah McGuire? Not, not to say it's a bad name, just not a name that sticks out. I see Isaiah McGuire and I just, my eyes glaze over that and I, I scroll down one more to find Yaya Diaby. So I guess Isaiah McGuire. And I haven't watched him to know if he's really, if I really like him, but he's a fourth round edge type. He seems like he could be a likely pick from them. I vote for easy names, but if you do have a fun name, uh, I want a nickname because I just need something easy to say. How is Yaya not already a good name? Oh, yeah, Yaya is. But for any player, when it comes to some of the crazy football names you'll see, I'm like, can it can it be easy to say? Or Oh, what it, about Adabaware? Adabaware. <laughs> no, can we just do a nickname? Let's do a nickname. I love that. You know, if, if your name is difficult or I can't say it, I just need a, a, a cool nickname, which I'm sure they have one. Um, Goose says, I understand studying the draft history of Duke Tobin and using that for your guide with how they will draft. With that being said, do you see, foresee Tobin going outside of his norm, drafting a smaller running back, wide receiver, going for a different type of D lineman? It's always possible. And he kind of did it last year with Zach Carter, who is a smaller defensive tackle than what they typically go for. I do think for the most part, he does value size more than more than I think the general fan definitely does. I could see it for like Gibbs. Uh, I think it has to be a guy that's to them a very good value because when pit between say Will McDonald and Isaiah Foskey, they're going to go Isaiah Foskey. Even if you think Will McDonald's better, he's 16 pounds under what they've ever drafted. But if Will McDonald's there in like round three and the next best player, 
maybe is Yaya Diaby, and they've got a whole tier difference in that grade, they may go Will McDonald and be like, hey, put on 10 pounds. <laughs> We're talking about with Forbes. I guess that guy could try too. Uh, put on a little bit of weight and, you know, beef up, be a little bit of a run defender. I think it's just, it's less about they'll never draft that. And I think it's more about they're more likely to take a guy who has size. Evan McPhillips, friend of the show. Who are your favorite tackle prospects that could be there on day three and you feel could be capable of starter by next season? Oh, boy. Um, look, I haven't watched many of these guys. <laughs> like day three tackles, I'm not there. <laughs> I mostly watch the top 150, top 100 types. Uh, I will say I don't know where Jalen Duncan falls. He's got some of the – he's maybe got the best kick slide in the – That was a ghost. <laughs> uh, not a video podcast, but uh, Chad Johnson just fell off my wall. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think Jalen Duncan's got the best kick slide out of any of the tackles I watched. I think it's really explosive. It's something you really can't teach. I would be interested in that in round four as an early day three. Late day three, though, I don't know. Like, I hear Wanya Morris sometimes. I, I've, I caught a couple glimpses. Uh is that Warren McClendon, the right tackle from Georgia? There's a few guys that I guess Blake Freeland, if it's to me later day five or day five, day three, I was thinking round five, later day three, but um, still a possibility that he could develop based on all the metrics. So there's a few guys there that maybe you think can develop. I do think it's kind of a weak offensive line draft, and that seems to be a lot of what Brandon Thorne was saying on our podcast a few weeks ago is just – not a lot of these like round four, round three, you know, like developmental offensive tackles. Like it seemed like it was all round one, two or round five, six, seven. Yeah, I think um, it's just that's why I just don't feel strong about 28 unless somebody falls that they go offensive line at 28. But, hey, I, I could be wrong with it not being a, a deep offensive line class. I do want to get to UK Cincinnati fan. He put a notes version of his question so credit to you for typing this out because he says character limits are optional there's been some noise that teams think there's only one first round wide receiver i understand that there might be 18 first first rounders in any draft and this one might be even lighter but in the scenario where only jsn was taken before 28 who would be your choice at wide receiver to act as the parent uh, for Tyler Boyd, super charge empty sets and add to a strength this year? Would that wide receiver be worth picking ahead of Michael Mayer or your number one tight end? Um, no. I mean, I haven't watched them, though. I don't think it's a possibility, really. Because a lot of the wide receivers that are going to go in the first round are under six feet. They're under 200 pounds. And I think the Bengals like that six foot, 200 pound threshold. And maybe you can go a little bit under, a little bit under. But even Jamar Chase is six feet, 200 pounds. Uh, at least he was listed at that at LSU uh, as pro day. So I think they're going to look for that. And all of those types are round two, round three, round four, and later. I don't. I don't see a guy at round 20, at pick 28. Oh, man. At pick 28, that's going to really pique their interest so much that they avoid getting a Michael Mayer type. And where I am too, listening to everybody talk about these wide receivers, even like a Jordan Addison is under six feet tall. And when I listen to people talk about him, it seems 
less excited than they were before the combine pro day, all of that stuff. So that I guess would be the guy would be Jordan Addison. And he didn't test that great. So I, I just don't see, I don't see it personally. Um, and I don't think they're going to run. I don't think a, even if they got a wide receiver in round one, he would play nearly as much as a round one tight end would. It feels like the Bengals, I wouldn't say lucky because obviously they struggled to have the 2020 pick, the first pick, and then you go to 2021, Joe Burrell unfortunately was injured in his rookie year and you were they were able to get Jamar Chase. But I feel like in those years, compared to what this draft looks like when some of the bad teams are picking early, it just the talent is, it looks different. And maybe it's just different values of positions, but you could look at the quarterback room, you could look at the wide receiver room, and it just doesn't feel the same from when uh, those 2020 and 2020 21 drafts, but I don't know. Maybe it's just, it just feels different this season. We'll go to E flash 88. One more question. Last year, the Patriots did everyone's draft board a favor by reaching for Cole strange in the first, who's the team or teams that does us a favor and makes an extreme reach for a position of need. We'll stay in the first round. A little bit rude. <laughs> uh, Cole Strange have not played pretty well, right? <laughs> like, well, that was bad. <laughs> but do you remember, I remember the Patriots. Oh, it was crazy. Like, yeah. we all think it was crazy for sure. Yeah. I do think, and teams probably thought it was crazy too. I do think if you're going to look on the draft in like five years, that probably won't be the pick that you laugh the most at. It'll You'll remember like, oh, that was a reach, wasn't it? But then you'll see somebody else that uh, – was supposed to go that high and they've just been a, a big disappointment. Um, man, I don't know if I could pick like the Patriots are the wild card. They do whatever they want. They don't listen to that. I think Steelers kind of do that sometimes. I think back to like Artie Burns, you know, if they get siped, it feels like they, it's a different GM, but at least the last guy uh, did have a little bit of that, oh, crap, panic mode. Um, so maybe that. I know it won't be the Ravens. They always get whatever guy falls and by consensus. Uh, I can't really predict. I was, hey, Patriots, back-to-back. -back. I think it's going to be – I think these quarterbacks are – I think it could be the Vikings with, like, Hendon Hooker. Yep. Yeah, 100%. I, I think it's going to be a quarterback, and we're going to be really surprised the team went went with him. You could even say, I, I don't know if it would be surprised, but like the Bucks and Will Levis, I want to say that he had a visit with I think him. he goes before that. Really? Really? Yeah. I just uh, – if you need a – and look, CJ, Bryce, they could end up being great in the NFL. We, we don't know when it comes to the NFL draft until a year or two years later to see what, what they look like in the NFL. But I just feel like it's it's not a great quarterback class, personally. But I want all if, of them to go. It does feel a lot to me like Stroud and Young. I, look, these are these, these takes. Hey, we are 44 yeah. minutes. We're 44 <laughs> minutes in. I'm finally just going to fire from the hip real quick on guys <laughs> I have not watched. Draft night, okay? <laughs> guys I have not watched at all. Fire from the hip. Young and Stroud seem kind of like fine, almost like that Wentz golf draft at the top. Mm. And then while Richardson, look, he's he's awesome at times. He also, uh, you talk to any Florida fan and they're like, that guy sucks. Uh, I think that is 
I'm more on the side of I think he'll be good, but mm-hmm. high bust chance. And same with Will Levis, high bust chance. You've got the two safer picks, but what's the ceiling? And then you've got the two not safe picks with a huge ceiling, especially Richardson. I really like watching him uh, just run around back there and sometimes make throws. <laughs> it's great. It almost reminds me uh, – look, Panthers do it. Put him in a number one. It'll remind me a little bit of Cam Newton with the size, the speed, and the ability to run. It's just uh, – Okay, figure out that throwing part. <laughs> Who knows? You could tell we're, like I said, we're two weeks out from the NFL draft. We're recording on Thursday night. You're going to hear this on a Friday morning. And we're just, we're getting, to, we're, we're just ready for that pick. Ready for the draft to get here. Good news is offseason workouts begin next week. We'll hear from head coach Zach Taylor. Duke Tobin's going to talk to the media. Maybe they'll have some news to share. We don't know. I'd really love it for the podcast content. So, uh, Bengals, if you're listening, make sure you uh, get some get some updates and news done by next week to get us one week out from the NFL draft next week. But I know you'll have plenty on all Bengals. You already have a great edge piece up there now. Anything to look forward to in the next week up on all Bengals? Interior defensive line piece. Same idea. So you'll get the whole defensive line covered. I'm going to try to figure out what guys they're more likely to take there. I think that'll be a wider range, though. The edges, to me... Always felt like a small sample, and that's why I did the piece originally. But then I just thought, well, do the whole defensive line. Uh, they prefer size, but this is a team that had Geno Atkins. This is a team that just drafted Zach Carter as an interior guy. So there's a bit of reason to think they might sway away from that. But, hey, let's find the guys that they're probably mostly interested in. We love it. Make sure you check it out. All Bengals. You can follow Mike on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. We will be back next week for everything offseason workouts and another NFL draft. A couple of those podcasts coming your way to get you ready for pick 28. Thanks for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.